praying always for the communion time that we have in our seminar. And so it was just a lot of uh, different teachings to put together. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to listen to the scripture reading for this chapter. And and like just feeling, you know, just kind of the brunt of all the things. I'm just going to take a walk around my house, not realizing like what the chapter. I'm like, oh, no, Lord, keep the walls of my house, please. Um, but it was it was just sweet to be able to hear God's word while taking that, just that quick walk and, and just sensing the impact of that, right? Like how the children of Israel were setting off in obedience to do this thing, not really sure if it was going to work out. So I decided to also look up the benefits of walking, right? Um, and this is from the Mayo Clinic, an article that was published May 19, 2021 called The Benefits of Walking. Walking Trim your waistline and improve your health. Ready to reap the benefits of walking? Here's how to get started and stay motivated. Can you really walk your way to fitness? You bet. Get started today. It sounded so infomercial, but it was great. It was basically six ways to um, start walking, which I'm like, don't you just like walk, but... Apparently, there's more to it than that. So the first one they suggested was to know the benefits. Uh, So the writers of this article believe that once you appreciate and sense the benefits of walking, that that'll help you to continue to do it. They write, physical activity doesn't need to be complicated. Something as simple as a daily brisk walk can help you live a healthier life. For example, regular brisk walking can help you maintain a healthy weight and lose body fat, prevent or manage various conditions including heart disease, stroke, high blood pressure, cancer, and type 2 diabetes. It also improves cardiovascular fitness. It strengthens your bones and muscles. It improves muscle endurance, increases energy levels, improves your mood, cognition, memory, and sleep. It improves your balance and coordination, Walking also strengthens the immune system and reduces stress and tension. So there's a lot of benefits to walking. They also say that you should consider your technique when you're doing it, that you should plan your routine, set realistic goals, track your progress, and stay motivated. Now, obviously, we know that Joshua chapter 6 is not a lesson about the benefits of cardio exercise, but of the exercise of our faith and obedience to God. Um, Answers in Genesis also had a really cool article on how, um, for a long time, archaeology tried to discredit this account in Scripture. Uh, They thought that, no, that's not how it was actually destroyed. That biblical account is false, only to later on, of course, get caught up with what the Bible taught. So uh, on this article, if you're a little bit of a nerd like me, um, they had some cool pictures of an artist's rendition. And so I just wanted to share that with us so that we can kind of picture what the wall looked like. And the first one is like a cross section. So they actually believed that the wall had two sections. So I don't know if the projector is showing the slide. Yeah, okay. So... You can kind of see it there, um, how that there was that one wall that was really tall, and then they had like a lower embankment, and then another wall. I don't know if we could expand it to see, there it is. And so that was, I thought that was really cool, because I kind of just pictured like one thick wall, 
but it's actually two. And then in between, according to another source, they recreated that in between is where they think all those houses were, where like Rahab was. So I don't know if we have slide two ready. I know it's challenging. But again, that article was really cool. They mentioned in some uh, historical or people that study earthquakes that there's a chance that there was an earthquake at that time. But I mean, if God decided to use an earthquake, that's fine. If not, it doesn't matter. The wall still came down. And so again, they're kind of in the sketch. They, they kind of just envisioned the lower wall and the upper wall being um, separated by that cross section. So again, those of us that maybe uh, appreciate that visual just to picture what it was that the Israelites saw for six days as they circled around um, Jericho. The writer of this article is Bryant Wood, and I'll say the title just in case you wanted to look it up later, maybe show it to your kids. It says, um, the walls of Jericho, archeology span confirms, they really did come a tumbling down. Um, and I love this little synopsis that the writer gives. Jericho is a wonderful spiritual lesson for God's people yet today. There are times when we find ourselves facing enormous walls that are impossible to break down by human strength. If we put our faith in God and follow his commands, he will perform great and mighty things. Like it tells us in Jeremiah 33, 3, and give us the victory. And I love that simple truth by putting our faith in God and following his commands. But how do we do that, right? Like that's something that like we, we tell each other all the time, like, oh, just have faith in God, just follow his commands. And it's like, but sometimes I don't feel like it. And sometimes it's hard. So we're gonna look today at seven steps for how we can do that, how we can grow in our faith and follow God's commands. Step one and I love how the Lord did this with the worship team, uh, just the last song, is proclaim precious promises. Proclaim precious promises. And we'll pick up in verse one, we'll read verses one through three, and we'll emphasize this point, this step, to proclaim precious promises. Joshua chapter six, starting in verse one. Now Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand, its king and the mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all you men of war. You shall go all around the city once. This you shall do six days. Did you notice the tense of those verbs, right? Have given. Like, it is a done deal. So how can we grow in our faith in God? We need to know his precious promises. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 2 through 4 tell us, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. Verse four, by which you have been given exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Ladies, we have been given great and precious promises, and we build our faith by proclaiming this. Um, I know 
Kay Smith would encourage all the girls that she would disciple to just write those promises on sticky notes and put them all over their houses. Um, Sometimes I would take a dry erase marker because I have those (laughs) as a teacher and I would write things on the mirrors like for my kids, for myself, just those little promises of the Lord, those precious, exceeding promises that are ours. Step two, let's go into verses four through nine. And we'll look at what that is. It says, And seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. But the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. It shall come to pass when they make a long blast with the ram's horn. And when you hear the sound of the trumpet, that all the people shall shout with a great shout, Then the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people shall go up every man straight before him. In verse 6, Then Joshua the son of Nun called the priests and said to them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant, and let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Ark of the Lord. And he said to the people, Proceed and march around the city, and let him who is armed advance before the Ark of the Lord. So it was when Joshua spoke these, had spoken to the people that the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Lord advanced. And blew the trumpets, and the ark of the covenant of the Lord followed them. The armed men went before the priests who blew the trumpets, and the rear guard came after the ark, while the priests continued blowing the trumpets. Did you notice there the repetition? Joshua said, and the people did. The second step that we can do in order to grow in our faith and obedience to the Lord is to accept authority's admonishment. We need to accept the admonishment that our God-given authority allows us to hear. Uh, This week in LHM High School, we had our memory verse found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and I'll just read the first two of the set of verses, 12 and 13, from the group that they memorized. It says in these verses, And we urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. Be at peace among yourselves. Joshua had been given to the people, right? He's the one that heard directly from the Lord. He's the one that knew what was going to happen. I noticed in his instructions He didn't really tell the people what was going to happen until day seven, right? I don't know if maybe it was like a little faith faltering, like, Lord, are you really sure that this is going to happen? And he figured, let me not tell them what the Lord told me just in case. Or maybe it was just that God-given wisdom. He's like, you know what? Just give the people the instructions for the day. Just tell them the right next thing that they need to do. And they did it. There was no necessarily like, how can I say this? There was no guarantee of what would happen next, right? They were just told, bear the ark, bear the ram's horn. Those of you that are armed, go before the ark. And they did it. And their faith grew as a result. And ladies, we need to do the same. We need to accept authority's admonishment. As we dive into this next point, let's, let's really picture this. Let's put ourselves in the sandals of, of these Israelites. Pick up the ark. 
bear it on your shoulders, walk around the city, put it down. Pick up the ark, bear it on your shoulders, walk around the city, put it down. Six days. Then constantly blowing the ram's horns the whole time. The whole, think of how exhausting it is sometimes when you're with a friend who's uh, walking with you and you're talking, right? Sometimes you get a little bit out of breath if you're like, especially if you talk with your hands and you're walking at a quick pace. Imagine blowing a shofar for all those steps. Like, talk about exhausting, right? I don't know if you've ever tried to blow one of those, but it, it does. It takes a lot of technique and it's, it's difficult, right? Then, isolating silence. No comments, no encouragement, just the sound of that shofar in your ears resonating whatever thoughts may be swirling in your head. One step after another, one day after the next. So mundane. If we're honest, they probably got really bored, right? But you know what? We need to bear the boring burdens. Sometimes growing in our faith takes that step three, to bear the boring burdens. So we'll read verses 10 through 14. Now Joshua had commanded the people saying, You shall not shout or make any noise with your voice, nor shall a word proceed out of your mouth until the day I say to you, shout. Then you shall shout. So he had the ark of the Lord circle the city. Going around it once. Then they came into the camp, lodged in the camp. Verse 12, and Joshua arose early in the morning and the priest took up the ark of the Lord. The seven priests bearing seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord went on continually and blew with the trumpets. And the armed men went before them, but the rear guard came after the ark of the Lord while the priests continued blowing the trumpets. And the second day they marched around the city once and returned to the camp. So they did six days. You know, it could be so easy to just read over that, those couple words. They did this for six days. They just did this routine over and over again, six days. Again, not knowing what was going to become of it. As far as we know, I mean, maybe Joshua had told them, but as far as we know, they were just taking these steps because their leader told them to, right? Maybe feeling exposed as they saw these, this wall, this embankment, like, man, the enemy can see us so clearly here. Man, look at how impenetrable it is. How, I mean, the Lord promised us this, but not a word. Just keep going. Just keep going. Hebrews chapter 10. Why don't we turn there? It's towards the end of our Bible in the New Testament. Um, if you get to Peter, you're too far, but it's right after all the tea books there, the book of Hebrews. We're going to look at chapter 10 because, again, when I think of bearing those boring burdens, those mundane things that we have to do every day, I think of the word endurance, right? Like that's what endurance is, is the ability to keep doing those difficult things, those things that necessarily don't bring you that good feeling. They're not rewarding in and of themselves. But Hebrews writer tells us in chapter 10, verse 32, but recall the former days in which after you were illuminated, you endured a great struggle with suffering 
partly while you were made a spectacle both by reproaches and tribulation, and partly while you became companions of those who were treated so. Hebrews 10 verse 34, for you had compassion on me and my chains and joyfully, right? Like our theme this weekend in the seminar, joyfully accepted the plundering of your own goods, knowing that you have a better and an enduring possession for yourselves in heaven. And you say, okay, but how did they do that? How were they able to endure reproaches, tribulation, being poorly treated, um, plundering their goods? How? Well, the next verses tell us that it's by believing. Verse 35, therefore do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward, ladies, for you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he who is coming will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith, but if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. We have need of endurance. So much of the victorious Christian life is found in faithfully surrendering every day. Faithfully surrendering every day. Picking up that ark, picking up that ram's horn, blowing it continually. Uh, we were talking this weekend during the lady seminar of like, you know, how you, you feel like you just did something in your household if you live with other people, and then you turn around and five seconds later, it was all undone and then you have to redo it. I'm like, that's pretty much motherhood. It's like doing stuff, having it undone, and then having to redo it. And it can be so boring. It could be so mundane. Maybe your tasks in, in your job, right, can be so mundane. It's the same emails and the same memos and the same forms. If you're a college student, right, studying, even Ecclesiastes tells us, right, much studying is wearisome. It could be a lot, the same papers and the same assignments. And, oh, now we have another Zoom call and it could be so monotonous but again so much of what victorious christian living looks like is faithfully surrendering every day every day doing it again doing it again for his glory luke 9 23 jesus tells his disciples if anyone desires to come after me let him deny himself and we think okay i could do that take up his cross okay daily and follow me. Step four, trust God's true timing. And for this, we'll look at verses 15 through 20 back in Joshua chapter six, verses 15 through 20. But it came to pass on the seventh day that they rose early about the dawning of the day and marched around the city seven times in the same manner. On that day only, they marched around the city seven times. And the seventh time it happened, when the priest blew the trumpet that Joshua said to the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. Now the city shall be doomed by the Lord to destruction. And it and all who are in it, only Rahab the harlot shall live. She and all who are with her in the house, because she hid the messengers that we sent and you, by all means, abstain from the accursed things, lest you be accursed. And 
when you take the accursed things and make the camp of Israel accursed and trouble it. But all the silver and gold and vessels of bronze and iron are consecrated to the Lord. They shall come into the treasury of the Lord. In verse 20, so the people shouted when the priests blew the trumpets. And it happened when the people heard the shout of the trumpet and the people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell down flat. Then the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. Wow. Isn't it just like human nature that we don't like monotony, but we're scared of change? Like, sometimes there's no pleasing us. It's so hard to be content sometimes. But ladies, the time is at hand. Trust his true timing. I'm reminded of uh, this Sunday's teaching in Revelation chapter 22. And verse 10, John was instructed, do not seal the words of the prophecy of this book for the time is at hand. Again, ladies, trust his perfect timing. Sometimes it's time just to bear those boring burdens and continue with the everyday. But sometimes the Holy Spirit will give you that little spark of, you know what, instead of doing your regular grocery routine, start in this aisle. And maybe you'll run into a college classmate or you'll see someone, a lady who's struggling and you can offer to pray for her. You know, that's, that's kind of been one of my um, like doors for evangelism because I'm not really good at it. I, it just makes me nervous. And um, being raised with the stranger danger meter, I'm like, there's a 50% chance you want to kill me, right? If I don't know you. So I don't know if I want to take that risk because the other 50% is that like, I can lead you to the Lord and salvation, but I don't know about those odds. Um, so that's kind of been my default when I, when I interact with someone. I, I'll just ask them, hey, you know, I'm going to Bible study later or I, I'm going to go to church in a little bit. Is there anything I can pray for you? You know, when I'm ordering my boba tea or whatever it is that I'm doing, I just offer to pray for the people in, in those situations. And it does. It takes some of the pressure off. It lets them know. Um, and if they're open, maybe they'll ask you more questions. Trust his perfect timing. Trust the Holy Spirit to lead you and guide you through the, the moments of this life. And um, the, next, the next section, we kind of read also in verses 17 on. The next step is to set oneself apart. Set yourself apart, both away from the sinful and apart for the sacred. You know, we see in these verses that word consecrated in verse 19, that all the silver and the gold and the vessels were consecrated unto the Lord. And you know what they found? They mentioned in that Answers in Genesis article, when the city was plundered and through the fire, they found urns full of grain, full of these, this valuable thing. Think of, you're in the middle of the wilderness. Think of what a commodity grain is. Why would that have survived all these years? It's because the Israelites, most of them, we're going to learn in the next chapter, not all of them, took these commands to heart and they did not touch what was consecrated and, and set aside for the Lord. This city was doomed for destruction. It had accursed things in it. And we need to make sure we're abstaining from that. And we need to make sure that we're not just doing it because we feel holier than thou or because of a Pharisee heart, but because we're setting ourselves apart for something more sacred. 1 Peter 2, verses 9 through 11. We won't turn there, but just go ahead and write it down. And I love how, how Peter explains it, that we are a chosen generation. 
And then he also instructs us to be set apart from the, the things, the flesh that war against our very soul. Step six goes along again with this idea of consecration. And it's kind of intermingled in these verses. So after the walls fall down flat, we see in verses 21, 24, and 26 that we have to decide to destroy definitively any traces of sin. We have to decide that definitively. Destroy any traces of sin. So we'll jump around a little bit in these verses. Verse 21, and they utterly destroyed all that was in the city, both man and woman, young and old, ox and sheep and donkey with the edge of the sword. Verse 24, but they burned the city and all that was in it with fire, only the silver and gold and the vessels of bronze and iron they put into the treasury of the house of the Lord. In verse 26, then Joshua charged them at that time saying, cursed be the man before the Lord who rises up and builds this city, Jericho. He shall lay its foundation with his firstborn and with his youngest, he shall set up its gates. My sisters, the Bible has only one command when it comes to flesh and sin, and that is death to put it to death. Colossians 3 verses 1 through 7 command us that since we've been raised with Christ, we need to seek those things that are above. And the way we do that is by, as it tells us in verse 5, therefore put to death your members which are on the earth. And it goes on and lists fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry, because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. Ladies, any areas of compromise in our life, we have to decidedly destroy any traces of sin. There's only one command when it comes to the flesh. But like I mentioned earlier, intermingled in this harsh, cruel, it might seem, but very definitive act of judgment, we see redemption. And that's the last step for tonight, to grow in grace, to grow in grace. And again, we'll just skip through the verses that were intermingled with the destruction. Verses 22 and 23, but Joshua had said to the two men who had spied out the country, go into the harlot's house and from there bring out the woman and all that she has as you swore to her. And the young man who had been spies went in and brought out Rahab, her father, her mother, her brothers, and all that she had. So they brought out all her relatives and left them outside the camp of Israel. Jumping down to verse 25, and Joshua spared Rahab the harlot, her father's household, and all that she had. So she dwells in Israel to this day because she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. In verse 27, so the Lord was with Joshua and his fame spread throughout all the country. Intermingled with destruction, we see again just God's perfect picture of redemption, his infinite grace. Again, thinking of 2 Peter, verses 3, 17 through 18. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 17 reads, You therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the error of the wicked. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord 
and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and forever. Amen. And a lot of times we don't put those two together. We think, okay, to overcome the things of the flesh, I just, you know, have to go and, and be very, like, exact and legalistic. But it's really the opposite. The more we appreciate God's grace, the less we want to sin. The more we grow in, in his, his, the knowledge of who he is and what he's done for us, the less we'll be tainted by the things of the world. The less we'll be drawn into it. I want to close with this um, devotional from the collection Tozer on Christian Leadership, written, of course, by A.W. Tozer. And it especially caught my attention because last weekend during our ladies' seminar, in the night of worship, uh, Miss Amanda shared, and she mentioned this reference in Hebrews 12. The title of his devotional is Spiritual Warfare and Sin, Throw Off Hindrances. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, lay us, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Is Satan giving you a hard time in your life of faith in the Christian race you are running? Expect it. If you are a believing child of God, Satan hates your God. He hates Jesus Christ. He hates your faith. You should be aware of the devil's evil intentions. He wants you to lose the victor's crown in the race you have entered by faith through grace. When by faith you have entered this lifelong spiritual course, the Holy Spirit whispers, do you truly want to be among the victors in the discipline? When we breathe out, yes, yes, he whispers of ways that will aid us and carry us into certain victory. The Spirit tells us to throw off everything that would hinder us in the race. He tells us to be aware of the little sins and errors that could divert us from the will of God as we run. But here is the important thing. He tells us to keep our eyes on Jesus because he alone is our pace setter and victorious example, Jesus, the author of our faith. Father, let me see Jesus this morning. Then go with me today and help me to keep my eyes fixed on him. I'm going to encounter all kinds of diversions. I'll look to keep you my, on my eyes and my heart focused on you, the pace setter and victorious example. Amen. I also so appreciated this other quote by A.W. Tozer. He says, a Pharisee is hard on others and easy on himself, but a spiritual man is easy on others and hard on himself. And so again, just to summarize, step one, proclaim those precious promises. In other words, improve your mood. Memorize these promises, ladies. It'll also help you sleep more. Step two, accept authority's admonishment. And much like walking, it'll help your heart health. Your cardiovascular fitness, spiritually, so to speak, will be kept humble as you receive from leadership. Step three, to bear those boring burdens, we improve our muscles of faith in endurance. Step four, trusting God's true timing. Talk about reduction of stress and tension. 
Step five, as we set ourselves apart away from the sinful and apart for the sacred, we strengthen our immune system against temptation. Step six, decide to destroy definitively. Well, it prevents us from the serious conditions of sin, which always leads to death. And step seven, as we grow in grace, that'll improve our balance, our coordination, it'll boost our energy, it'll strengthen the bones and muscles of our faith, and not just for ourselves, but for the body of Christ as a whole. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you that you have gone before us, Lord, that you were tempted in every way in which we were and are. And God, you were without sin. So I just pray that you would help my sisters and I to take those steps of faith and of obedience, God, even when it's hard, even when it's boring, God, even when it's costly, even when we feel ridiculed, Lord, that we would obey you and trust you and your goodness, Lord. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.